Welcome back to the Let Me Play Project. I am coming to you a mere three hours after recording this episode because I was unexpectedly energized from our conversation and I decided there is no time like the present to get a head start on outlining this intro and outro and, you know, just getting it done while I have the time. So here we are. I've been doing some thinking, and I've realized that I've gotten to ride a lot of vehicles so far this year. I have my car, of course, which is a staple classic in the Atlanta traffic. I've also gotten to ride the Marta when I went to the Owl Parade, which was a lot of fun. I, of course, have my bike, and I just got my motorcycle license, and I did get to actually ride some roller coasters too, which I wasn't expecting. But the vehicle I've been in the most for the past month and a half or so has actually been the back seat of the struggle bus. And it's been a bumpy ride, I'm not gonna lie. There's one half of me that really likes this bus because there's no seatbelts and it's fun and exciting and I'm so enlivened and fulfilled by the things that I'm doing and getting to see and the path that it's taking me on and everything, but on the other end, it's not stable at all, and we hit a lot of potholes. The potholes and the roadblocks that I'm coming across now have, I guess, all been financially related in some regard, but a lot of them have been opportunities that have come so incredibly close to working out, but just haven't, and they weren't anything that I was necessarily attached to or really distraught by them not working out. It's just when you think that there's money coming in and then, oops, there's actually not. That can be a little bit stressful when your bank account is steadily declining. So I feel like I've been walking this sort of metaphysical tightrope along with being in this struggle bus. And it's been giving me an increasing amount of anxiety uh, in this past month and a half or so. If I really lean into that, then it really, really puts a damper on my day (laughs) and doesn't make me feel motivated to do any of the things that I'm really using this time for. And if I don't use the time well, then it's sort of a negative feedback loop into just me not doing anything and then having apathy and then self-sabotage and then all this blah that I don't like. So even though I knew that I was going to be in this sort of pattern of falling slowly again financially, I've really been trying to have a chess-like strategy on how I deal with these feelings because on one end, they're really tough and I do need to pay attention to them because they're actual struggles and they're actual, they are actual issues that could have real repercussions if I don't deal with them and plan accordingly. But on the other, I do have so much that I'm grateful for and really love and cherish that I need to put more energy into so that I can keep. 
So instead of wallowing about and getting into that negative feedback loop, I decided to go with my second sort of chess-like strategy and distract myself with the people that I have physically around me to make me recognize how grateful I am for their presence in my life and also encourage myself to live more in the moment, which I do have a hard time doing sometimes. So I've gotten to see a lot of people actually this past couple of weeks. I've done a lot of things with a lot of people, which I'm very grateful for. But the person I felt that I most needed to talk to, and that I was also a little bit scared to talk to, was my buddy Dan. Dan is a new friend, and I met him exactly the way I needed to at exactly the right time. He was on Harold and the Purple Crayon. He was the first person that I met, and was also my first friend on the shoot. And unknown to him, he also had the unique privilege, I guess, of being the first new person to see and experience and work with myself in a way that I felt was truly authentic. The first day we met was a makeup and hair test day, and production hadn't started yet, really, so it was a skeleton crew. It was just the hair and makeup team, and myself as the photo double, and Dan as the production representative, so he was sort of playing both production assistant and assistant director that day, receiving everyone and making sure everyone was taken care of, and He was my point of contact that day, giving me directions and telling me where to go and sending me in and out and all that. And I knew instantly that I was going to be his friend and that we were going to be friends for the rest of the show, even though at that point I'd only been booked for one day. And I could tell also that he just really cared a lot about what he was doing. He was very professional and he was very passionate. There was also something about him that I couldn't quite understand but I was really interested and compelled by and it wasn't his fancy shirts and it wasn't his making friends with everybody calling everybody buddy and everything and it wasn't until after we wrapped that I realized he both has a presence about him because of the way he carries himself on set but he also is very present with people and I think that what I was interested in was his ability to just be and receive and respond. Because presence for me, I thought that I understood, but I have recently realized this year just the amount of presence that I lack or have lacked. And I've been confronted by this lack of presence through my physical, more adventurous activities like the Aikido and the rock climbing ventures, and most recently in my motorcycle class. Because in those situations, it can be very high risk to not be fully present in what you're doing and not being very intentional about the way that you are doing those things. And so I have sprouted that seed of awareness of presence in those physical activities, but now I am also trying to propagate it into my other garden pots of life. So my work, my art, my relationships, everything in between, just any conscious moment I have, just sort of being appreciative for where I am, when I am, and how I am. And 
I think that this is a healthier way to go because otherwise my anxious brain wants to continue writing stories and continue to be active and to continue solving problems that it can see further down the line because it wants to anticipate those problems and stop them before they even get started, which is great. But sometimes we do too much. And when we do too much, we get drained and discouraged and we don't enjoy the things that we have currently. So it's a balance for sure. But what I've learned recently in these two sort of dark pits of financial uncertainty is that sometimes there is nothing I can do but wait. Aside from moving money over into my savings account when it got to negative $51 and then waiting for the next day when my direct deposit came in, I could not do anything more than just wait for the money to come in. And that's really hard because I feel like I'm not doing enough. But I'm just glad that I've sort of been able to make peace with and accept that sometimes I just need to wait and to breathe and to be okay with myself for getting to the place that I am now because I really have done a lot this year and I have a lot to be grateful for. So in accordance with making peace and accepting that sentiment, I've decided that when I feel these negative feelings and I feel like I can't make any moves, instead of letting that dictate how I move forward with my day, I'm just going to fight with love like I've learned to do and surround myself with the things that I need to make me feel wealth instead of lack. And one of these pockets of wealth is the people in my life, specifically my friends here in Atlanta that I can spend physical time with. And so this month and a half has also aligned with Virgo season. So I decided to fill Virgo season, aka my birthday season, with lots of quality time because that's my main love language. And I have gotten to see so many people in such a short amount of time that's been, that have been really energizing interactions and not draining. And because I've gotten to see them, they've served as beautiful distractions from this pit of anxiety and despair. And I also have a bunch of mementos now, physical mementos that I can look at and smile at and be really happy with that I made memories with those friends. So even though I'm probably the poorest I've ever been, I do feel the wealthiest and the richest because of the people and the adventures and the agency that I have in my life. So my birthday season has been completely magical and special. 27 is indeed divine. And I'm so glad that I got to record this episode sort of in tangential celebration of my next slingshot around the sun with somebody who had a really big impact on celebrating me for me. So selfishly, even though I didn't plan it this way, this recording, I guess, is a little bit of a present to myself because it is quality time that I forced Dan to spend with me, but also I wanted to give myself a test of presence by changing it up a little with my prep work. So usually with an episode, I'll schedule it weeks in advance. I'll tell my guest the word, and then I will go and brainstorm everything that comes to mind when I think of the word. And from that brainstorm in my journal, I'll go through and I'll write a whole bunch of questions branching out in every which way 
But because of the nature of this word and because I'm all about self-growth and betterment and a little challenge, I decided to only do the brainstorm for this episode. So I thought of a few concepts to just sort of anchor and guide the conversation, but I didn't think of any questions ahead of time. So I didn't write anything down. I didn't think of anything in my head. I just really wanted to challenge myself to just be present and to respond and to listen and to trust, I guess, too, that my conversation partner would help me in the conversation and that I could trust myself in that I would be able to respond to him. In addition to that self-imposed test of presence, I had another test of presence coming from Dan because I wasn't entirely sure that this episode was going to happen. There was a period of about like three, two or three hours where I wasn't sure what was happening until I got the call from the gate saying that he was here. So I didn't really know what was happening until he gave me the reason why on the podcast. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit frustrated with him, but as soon as he told me the reason why, I, you know, all of, I completely diffused that frustration. And, you know, it it was probably the only thing that he could have said that both made me laugh and thought that it was a valid reason. So I hope you enjoy that. Now, I will say before we jump in that this version of Dan is not professional Dan that I met on day one. This is sort of like buddy Dan. So not quite, not completely unhinged, but definitely not super professional, sort of towing that line. He does have a bit of a potty mouth, so if you're someone who's a bit sensitive to language, perhaps this episode might not be super palatable to you. But if you are on board with that or you don't care, then I think you'll really enjoy this episode because it's full of just funny stories and anecdotes from his experience working on set and also a little bit of philosophical convo, of course, and just a whole bunch of spicy gossip. If you like hearing from Dan today and you enjoy his mildly unhinged behind-the-scenes stories, I definitely encourage you to check out our side quest episode where we talk about a little movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Both his experience living on it, which was an amazing experience for him, and our shared love and appreciation for the film itself. I am so thankful that you're here listening, and I would love to invite you to share and to listen in on this moment of quality time, and just be. Hey friend. Hey friend. How's it going? It's great. <laughs> Thanks for coming over. No problem. 
I'm really excited to do this with you. I'm also actually really nervous because this is the first podcast that I've done quite in this way where I've come up with the word. I haven't told you the word. That's not that's not the thing that's different. The thing that's different is that I haven't come up with any questions. But I think it's going to be a test of the word itself. So are you excited to learn your word and to chat with me about it? I am because I almost didn't make it here, to be honest. I know. <laughs> I, I ate food and then I... Um, I smoked some weed, and then I ended up watching The Dark Knight Rises. Why didn't you tell me that's what you were doing? And what I find in these Christopher Nolan movies, the more I watch them, the more I like them. And I was like, I used to think The Dark Knight Rises wasn't that good. Yeah. And then I started, like, I was just, like, really into it. Like, and I was like, this is good. I was like, that. So I had to, like, rip myself away from it. Oh, well, honestly, that's, like, the best that's the best delayed yeah. response because I am such a fan of those movies so much. Um, so it's valid. Give you a pass on that. Um, well, thanks for being here. Your word, which has been like a test of all of that, I guess. And for me is presence. Presence. Yes. Like, uh, not like a gift presence. Correct. With a C being present, being present. Having, having presence. Right. And see, that's where it gets interesting because you have all the different verbs associated with it. But I wanted to talk with you about it because in um, I haven't known you for all that long, but in the time that we worked together, I noticed that you were just really good at being with people and also having a presence on set and everything. And also you're just like really chilling in the moment so anyway i'm really actually struggling with being present <laughs> so right. i was like i need to learn from somebody who's good at it so i think you um as far as the <laughs> the work aspect of it being present and present-minded it kind of started it's like kind of how you're raised like in a sense like I just always remembered having, like, being very aware of my surroundings, no matter like, mm. what they were. And I get, like, in, when it's good, you get lost in those moments, and that's all great and hunky-dory. And then, obviously, if something doesn't feel right, you know something's off, the energy, all that, the vibes, you have to adjust, adapt. And what I learned in the industry the film industry, people I worked with, and I'm sure there's terms other places, but I was like, you got to be able to read a room. Mm. And that means go into a situation and understand, like, all right, what is, like, the situation here? What's the vibe? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't need to, like, walk in the room, fart, and tell a dick joke, <laughs> you know, and, like, yeah. be that guy. Right. Or be too loud or be, like, you always want to match your surrounding. And the art of it is, is, I, you, I, I hone that in working like six years of customer service and mm. dealing with a bunch of crazy ass people. Mm. Worked at Walmart for six years. Oh my gosh. Yes. That sounds crazy. So that plus in high school, I was like just friends with everybody. Yeah. I tried to like infiltrate each group. Mm -hmm. Like if you like watch the quintessential late 90s, early 2000s high school movie, there's mm -hmm. like the country cowboy kids there's the emo goth group there's the prep the coffee nerds like 
Right. I was like tried to be cool with all those people. Mm-hmm. And I never really like set like social boundaries like that. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's why when I started working in the film industry bunch where you met me, that it's a bunch of those things plus working in that environment and just kind of like honing your presence. Like I'm always a person like when you're out drinking or out walking around, you're like, Hey, watch out. Somebody's coming behind you mm-hmm. because that's like a set thing. You know, yeah, so I'm yeah, always yeah. like, watch out. Thing. I'm always right. like, if somebody's trying to get by you, get out of the way, asshole, single file line. <laughs> you know, even with your friends and your family, it's just like always aware, like in a parking lot, like I'm always moving vehicles. Like it's just being present. Mm-hmm. Now there's a whole another side of that that's like came from when I did like two years of therapy. That if you want to talk about like living with intent, and mm. not just being on autopilot and being present that way as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, there's, like, a bunch of different ways to have presence and be present. But, like, I think what you were asking, not sure, that words got very, like, wor- the, the single word thing's kind of not fair. It's really loaded. That's exactly the point, so, though. So, it's like, um, yeah, if you had to ask <laughs> the, about the presence, that's kind of how... I mean, I'm sure, as most people do, you have to have some of these qualities and your brain just has to be wired a certain way, too. But I think a lot of it's just paying attention. Because mm. I don't know. That's how I like, made life a little more interesting over the last you know, several years is everybody, everybody's doing something for a reason. Has to mean something. Yeah, like getting behind it or getting yeah, it in their head like, and trying and to not, figure out their motives. Not necessarily like conspiracy people, like not like cutting the faces off the of kids and like drinking people's blood. Not like <laughs> that deep into yeah, it, but sure. like not being paranoid either. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. But it's like people do things for a reason. People are like everybody's like, oh, they're just saying that. It's like mm, not all the time, mm. you know. Like so, it's like you got to. I just pay attention to what people say, what they do, how it adds up. And that's all in the being present of it all. It's like you just keep and a lot of this comes from the film industry because they deal with a bunch of people and they say a lot of things. Yeah. And and as you go throughout the job with them, you see some of the thing those things come to fruition and when it doesn't, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well that's what I was gonna touch on is the industry that we work on work in the film industry is so interesting to me because you can I think you can literally come from almost any walk of life and find a job in it and with that you get so many characters of people and you get so many clicks like you were mentioning before or just personality types all working together Um, and somebody especially in your position like a um, an AD or anybody who's sort of like wrangling the set together it probably would be advantageous for a person like you or them to like be able to read those personalities, I would think. Yeah. I mean, but that, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, in any level of like production, whether it's a live event, a sporting event, say live event again, but like a concert specifically, mm-hmm. or even like Circus Soleil right. or Comic-Con, all these big events is almost the same beast. I've done so. I did outside lands for a couple of years in San Francisco. I've worked um, like the I don't know. It's one of those tech companies, Salesforce. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of like events, like on the production side of it. Like they're set up and build for things they put on for their company in San Francisco, and it's 
it's it's all kind of the same method um logically if you will like it's just different goals and different unions they deal with and different standards that's in the industry and different principles but it's like all the same thing and it's once again you don't have to have a degree you just have to be able to just show up and just care a little bit you get enough people on your side you know how to use everybody to your advantage not to sound you know like sadistic and like <laughs> use people you try and be friends yeah, with everybody well, you, you want to just it's like because it's some at, at a certain level you become like the voice of reason yeah or, and the the leader figure well you want to be the person that people want right. to go so to it's with like the you know you gotta like you know you kind of gotta have the the mental capacity to deal with a lot of like dumb stuff uh-huh like this is like real trivial and petty and then at the same time prioritize it and deal with the bigger stuff and it's pretty much any industry but I would say any form of production, whether it's a TV show, scripted TV show, reality show, feature, uh, Lollapalooza, Coachella, or an art expo thing, anything that has any level of production is going to, those same qualities that you were talking about, them being advantageous to have, is true mm. in, in that field. I can't speak to. Corbin America or even like the the blue collar workforce because I've never done this sure, outside sure. of my city. I've been out of that world for like nine years now. So I don't even, it's all, you know, I missed college and all the group discussion stuff. So like I'm, I'm reliving all those moments with the people I work with. Mm, well, it's never a dull day on set or if it is, I feel like something's not. Something always going. happens. <laughs> yeah. So to talk about how to see people like week one promise something and then like four or five weeks later that it comes time <laughs> for that promise to happen. And sure, it doesn't, sure. Yeah. It's pretty like it's really amazing um, <laughs> that it doesn't happen. It's like to see the <laughs> to see the human interaction of the promise maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person that wants that promise to happen right come to the realization it's not going to happen over a course of weeks just where in steps that moment could be taken. yeah so on a little movie called sorry to bother you from 2018 that i worked on oh all, you worked on that it was all shot in oakland oh cool and if you remember the main character cash he had mm -hmm. the really shitty car with the windshield wipers they had to pull well i think they only had like two of those cars oh and one of them was never supposed to run. It was just one that would be pulled mm -hmm. on the process trailer. Mm -hmm. But at week one, I think the one that was supposed to run was like having issues, and we weren't it was we weren't doing driving shots yet, so it was like okay. Mm -hmm. But I remember the first AD who was to say who's. Was first AD. Sure, yeah. Um, That's talking, a personality type. Yeah, was talking to the uh, director's assistant, this kid named Michael, and he was he he hadn't really worked on stuff. He might have done some college. I don't know. I had been entrenched in like the barrier film by like three three and a half years at this point, working all the time. Mm -hmm. And this low this lower budget movie, I was like, yeah, I can handle this. This is no problem. And so, but I saw this kid, and I was like, he doesn't know 
he doesn't understand how this works. Like, it's just, this is a bigger thing. A lot of, like, things that you say you can do, you have to do them. Because the director's just a lot of time is just taking information and making sure, like, it gets to, this person gets yeah, this and this person gets that. And anything that somebody needs to tell the director, if he's not there, that person can relay the note. Right. Really, just simple stuff like that. It's just, like, you need to make sure it happens. So, remember Brian, first AD, looks at Michael and goes, hey, X amount of weeks from now, this car has to run. Right. Like, we Way need, ahead this of time. car has to run. Like, we're doing all these driving shots, blah, blah, blah. And remember, Michael's like, okay, 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 okay. And Brian was like, no, I just want you to understand, like, it has to happen. So, the last week of shooting, all the driving shots come up and the mm-hmm. car doesn't run. Oh my gosh! And Brian's face when he's asking this kid, and like he's like, "You remember that conversation we had?" And dude didn't even just, and it wasn't like one of those crazy like Hollywood like shouting match things, but it was like I just so happened to be in passing. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and I like had heard that the car wasn't running. And we were gonna have to get a mechanic, and all this stuff was going on. It was just, uh, it was like one of those things you like saw coming, and it was just like it's pretty awesome. Um, just because of human, just because like you know who humans are, yeah. Like, humans are gonna human, and they're not gonna human well, yeah. And uh, yeah. there's always little instances like that happening. Whereas, hopefully, he, what he did, which was a mistake, which we all make, he was like, "All right, I'll never do that again." Right. Uh, I mean, like, granted, no one's safety was on the line. You know, it wasn't anything, but it was just like I remember him blowing it off. Way back when, he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And I was like, and not taking head, I'm like, any steps towards I'm it? Like, I'm like, Michael, like, you got to, like, pass this along to, like, the correct. Like, I don't, it was a low-budget movie, so they might have been re- expecting him to do more. Oh, and okay. be maybe in a, like, a, make some producer-esque moves. Yeah. And, and I think it, you know, it was just, he was just some dude that was, like, not. Because, like, it, it was a small movie, but it wasn't. Yeah, you know? no, that was well. It at least got like a big reception. Yeah, like you like kind of need to know what you're doing. Yeah, to make a movie like that. Like I'm not saying kinda. it's like I'm not saying it's uh, low scale or it wasn't hard or anything. But we had a bunch of green people on the lower on, uh, below the line, if you will, mm-hmm. especially like production wise. Mm-hmm. And he falls in that category as a director's assistant and it was just really funny and it was um <laughs> but film sets every day something goes wrong yeah it happens yeah it's, it's part of the game it's part of the game every day is a new adventure no days like the last um so to touch on uh you mentioned safety how do you think being present or having a presence affects safety, especially on a film set as an AD? Well, um, it's kind of, especially when you're the first. And I mean, when you're another, it's, there's a lot of, I don't, about who gets assigned blame, that's a bigger discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the assistant directors like, they can get their their name can be on the line for a lot of stuff that happens. Yeah, if that stuff, was always if my thing, If things go wrong, um, obviously, if you have all the correct safety meetings and there's like enough evidence that you've done all the things the right way, and a freak thing happens, I think that's a different story. I don't, I don't know. I mean, like 
a freak thing didn't happen on that Alec Baldwin thing, and I don't I don't even know what the it, the end of that, those people's stories are with what's happened with them. Mm. If anything, you just like puts a you just like blacklisted almost like just by word of mouth like everybody knows your name mm-hmm. it's not good right um and also it's just you gotta like just gotta understand what you're doing you mm-hmm. know it's like just making movies man we're not sometimes you want to do cool shit and sometimes cool shit can get dangerous but there's so many safety precautions these days it's kind of like somebody has like has to be like gross neglect at this point there's so many things that like go out and when done the right way, so many safety meetings and, um, but being present, it's just like, if you're ever working near a road all day long, like, let me watch everybody's back. Cause they're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know where the hell they think we are. We're next to the fucking freeway. <laughs> you know? Right. Like just being like you were saying before, just yeah. being aware of your surroundings. And also there's camera people that when we have cops that will lock up the road to help us get a good, just go across the road with oh the gosh. carts and stuff. I'm like, like, can you, like not. we have, we have cops here. Just communicate that you're going to cross the road and we'll make it safe. Like actually talk stuff, to somebody. Stuff like that all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, that's just a, that's like kind of when, you, if you're taught the right way, that's kind of like one of those day one things that right. gets ingrained in you that, you know, if you like look at the day's work, like, okay, we gotta, gotta pay attention today. A lot of moving parts, <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of moving locations. There's a lot of different, you know, specialty equipment and this big crew, more people, especially when you got more background. Like it's just, you gotta always be, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? Who's doing what? Why are they over there? Why are they going here? Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. Especially with background. This is the thing, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't want like some producers like, why are the background doing this? And right. like, you hear the most outlandish thing. And you're <laughs> like, I thought they were like, so it's like, I mean, you know, and also it's like, it's as simple as like, for for whatever reason, if we're shooting downtown or something, and I make it very clear, like, please don't wander away. Mm-hmm. Just for my own fact, in case someone does leave while they're with us and something bad happens, you know, you can be like, hey, you know, that, that they did that on their own volition. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, you know, it's like if you go out to the parks and stuff, It's especially in L.A. where there's a lot of venomous snakes and a lot of. Oh, right. Yeah, it's like no roaming around. Like, don't just wander around. And like mountain lions and stuff yeah, too, like, right? Yeah, I just don't want to just stay here. But it's two people do it all the time. Yeah. Just tell them one thing, just do it. It's crazy. I mean, background wrangling seems like an art in itself, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, they just, one on Harold, one of the, it's like second week, and I've never witnessed this in LA, but they, like, six background people flagged down a transfer van and just, like, take us to catering to eat. And they, like, <laughs> broke themselves for lunch. And I was like, That's your favorite. Yeah. I was like, That's new. <laughs> never seen that one before check that off but the like, list. it's like it's just like at the end of the day like it doesn't matter it's just like there's a system yeah, yeah, the, yeah. it's like the film business like there's a reason you do things yeah and, like, and it's just protocol and i was like mad at them i was just like what are you doing like it's not how this works like <laughs> all the other background is still working it's not lunch yet right it's not they're like bro they're like yeah they were like eating when, when transpo was eating i was just oh like oh my gosh i was like it's just the film is just this weird thing it's like they feed you it's like they pay for your parking uh-huh. and the crew parking. They feed you. Right. 
and they have snacks on set all day. Mm-hmm. But like, there's there's just all these little ancillary rules. Like, yeah, we don't we do this at this time, and we do this now, and like we break together, and like, you know, it's like you know, just call your own shots. Like at any other job, do you just go? Oh, it's my lunch time. Clock yeah, out. only clock out and go. I mean, some places, sure. I'm sure there's some, you know. But like most of these nine to fives, like your lunch is pretty standard, pretty planned when mm-hmm. it is. And but those are all like very, very small things. Mm. They're very like stupid, just like petty things. Those aren't like there, there's more crazier things happen, like logistically and mm-hmm. like with availability with actors. And there's like there's there's some good stuff where it's just like. A lot of people, producer-wise, are paid a lot of money that just it's a lot is on the eighties. Like yeah. a, lot of, a lot of key seconds are like producing now, like on the fly, having to do stuff. There's a bunch of new producers. Um, this is how much work there is. Mm. So, so this is it's kind of it's like there's a lot on the assistant directors, but. All the good ones handle it fine, and it's uh, it's just what we do. Got to be present. Got to know everything's going on. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a really intense and like such an admirable position days when ahead. it's done well. They're always days ahead. What well, you've got to be. You next. can't just show up. It's not like an office job or something where you can sort of just show up and do the work for the day. You have to really plan for it and understand what you're doing. Well, they want you to like. They, at the end of the day, they want you to like. Whether they say it or not, is like you want to make moves that are the best moves, but also like cost effective moves. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah, you always like, you know, I'm not saying you're in charge of the budget, but like you are in charge of making the day. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, you better have good reasons why you didn't, or if like if there were. If there were the uh, the unforeseen things that are going to happen, did you make did did whoever as a group collectively make a good decision to pivot and still make the day? Mm-hmm. You know, like all those things too. Like, right, a lot like, of thinking were, on your Was the page. right decision made? Like using resources, you know, responding to external. Yeah, the solutions. You got to have the solutions. You got to yeah. stay present and on yeah, your and have and go, not get you know when everybody gets way up hair on fire you gotta sort of stay probably. yeah other side Turn of the down. pillow cool cold cool calm and collected because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like it, it it shows to other people because whether or not the the crew will admit it or whoever admit it the 80 department and the set pas set the example of the set mm-hmm. and um if that first AD who is the main voice of reason on the set and everyone in his department is like losing their mind, the crew will read that and feel that. And it's like, this not in, they're not in control. Mm. Like Harold, mm-hmm. we had a really good team. We did. And when I, as a PA or an AD have a really good team and we're all on the same page, I feel like we control the set. Mm-hmm. If it needs to get quiet, it can get quiet. If we need people to move stuff over here, they're going to move stuff over here. We don't have to, you know, we're great about relaying information, communicating. Everybody comes to us with their problems because we have their solutions. 
And if we don't, we always work well together. Mm-hmm. So that's what you kind of want. You want the crew to like, you know, when you need something fixed, but don't have the expertise, they do it and vice versa. It's just like working like econism, economism, whatever you want to call it. You're an operator, like connecting the wires. Yeah, organism is what I was saying. An as. organism. Okay, that works too. Yeah, and it's <laughs> just like you all just come together and make it happen. Yeah. And if you like have a crazy ass first AD and a non-existent key second AD and you know the second second's not that good and all the PAs are you know jaded jaded PAs I don't know or green or (laughs) Or whatever and it's like it can it's not fun and the set's like you know when you're rolling people always moving around making noise nobody's listening nobody's listening like people don't turn their paperwork on time and it's just like a bunch of stuff that Mm -hmm. could so yes you have to be um, always present. Um, it's a must mm. in the work and life. Mm. And so, yeah, I think you're definitely right about having, like, how the AD team sort of sets the tone for the set. I hadn't really thought about it like that before, but thinking about the times I have been on set, I definitely think that that's the case because they're, I mean, you know, PAs are everywhere. They're in like reaching out right. to everybody all the time. So what would you say the like either a set PA or an AD, how should they present themselves to um build confidence or just like come off as competent? Um and inspire everybody else. My go to, which everything that I've up until this point. Um, I've been present uh-huh. and listening to the ones that did it before me, and I've stolen things about uh, off from their presence of being on set. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's probably an accumulation of like if I had to say like X amount of people helped me build my foundation, it could be at least like six people that I've stolen things from and. Said, oh, I like how they handled that situation. Or I like, oh, I like that term they use. Mm -hmm. Or I like that phrase they say, you know, and you put your own spin on it. And Mm -hmm. then you also see how they, you know, you've seen seen a bunch of different PAs and 80s, how they talk to the background artists, just stuff like that. You know, how they talk to the grips, how they interact with camera, how they um, talk to transpo, like they're different the different problems they had with different departments and how they've solved them. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things. And like in some of those things, like you said, how to be confident and confident, look confident, feel confident. Right. Uh, It's always starting with how you show up every day on time, which is on time is 15 to 30 minutes early. Uh, be where you're supposed to be at that time. And then also, secret key to success. Nobody will tell you this. Oh, I'm so excited. Button-up shirt and <laughs> pants. <laughs> Which, Every in my day. experience, was always Dan's uniform when we were working together. It's, I'm telling you, if you have a button-up shirt, a pair of going to be jeans or slacks, and a watch on, people will think you're an AD. Yeah, that is true. I thought you were you were an AD on Harold 
for the longest Technically, time. Technically, I was an AD you at did. that point. Yeah. But, like, it's just, it's just this transition thing, which is fine, but That's I thing. was told several years ago, a long time ago, by my one of my buddies, like my brother, instead of my mentor, he's like, you look like a damn lumberjack. <laughs> which is what you're going for if you're working in film, honestly. Well, I mean, I had just like a Carhartt t-shirt on, like a, a gray one. Oh, and just okay. like some, like, these like, other way. yeah, they were just like, they like tactical pants, just got a bunch of different yeah, pockets yeah, yeah. and stuff, and I had on some boots. Right, because you want to be functional. You and my buddy have, was like, yeah. fucking dress the part, dude. Mm. The saying dress for the job you want is not an understatement. That is true. That I is, like, I'm telling you, it's under people. The most simplest things will get you ahead. Because mm, so it's like a subconscious thing. Fucking showing up every day and just having a decent attitude and being calm and dressing the part will send you so far. Because mm. everybody's going to want to freak out. Right. I feel there's more high-strung people than more like, okay, that's cool people. I would say so. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Like, if you, if the only way you get the job done is losing your shit, you should rethink, A, the industry you're in. Right. <laughs> because I've seen people do the job without yelling, without losing their mind, without being short or condescending or passive-aggressive and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, to, to be, to come off as competent competent and feel confident mm-hmm. you just you dressing the part goes a long way because people are like oh but people don't hear other thing i don't realize is a assistant directors which if you're a set production assistant that's your direct supervisor right the ad's are like the managers yeah they're in like yeah. a managerial role right like if somebody went up to an electrician mm-hmm. or the props dude mm-hmm. or props chick or crafty human and was like, yo, somebody sexually harassed me. And they said their name and what happened. They don't have any legal obligation to report that shit. Because they're not. But if you went and told that to an AD and they just brushed it aside and then that person like said, like, I don't know what would happen, but it wouldn't just be like, oh, well. Yeah. It'd be like, it's like they, they, people report things like that to assistant directors. Mm -hmm. And you like, if, if things are going wrong, like somebody's feeling like you kind of have to field the HR stuff. Now, if somebody came up to me and was like, hey, I, I, I heard this happened, I'd be like, okay, like I would tell somebody, but also be like, hey, you need to call this number. Mm-hmm. I'll always tell somebody, but I also would tell that person, you need to call this number. Like you have to get involved to a certain level. Right. You yeah. can't just go, oh, that's crazy. You should tell somebody. Like you're all kind of one of the frontline people for them to tell. Mm hmm in a situation like that. It's not all on your shoulders, but I was just saying, it's like you are in like in the training program. They stated like the little training online training courses that do, they stated as you are an employer, not an employee. Mm. Yeah. In, in that sense. Yeah. Like no, that makes sense. So it's like, you know, it's uh you want to, you want to, you want to definitely look the part. 
Um, anybody that I meet that's newer that um, wants to do more and go further, if they, I always be like, yo, we're wearing a t-shirt every day. They sell the button-ups at Marshall's for like 10 bucks. Go and buy, they're fancy and fine. Go buy like five of them. Mm-hmm. Buy some jeans and just, that's, you don't have to wear like crazy nice shoes. But pants and a button-up shirt and a watch. Yeah. The watch, I think, is like the key accessory. And always have a pin on you. Right. <laughs> always have a pin on you. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, to answer that, just um, looking the part will go so far. Yeah. Obviously, you need to back it up, but just, it's like when they tell you, like, your circle around you will affect your reality of people. Oh, the circle of people around you. Yeah. Yeah, like you start to take over or take traits from the people that so you surround like yourself you with. So, like, if you start, like, in a, in a sense, it's like you dressing the part. It's it's different views of you are gravitating towards you now. Right. So, it's like, you don't have to give a shit. Mm-hmm. And you can just wear, like, gym pants. I see it all the time. People wear gym pants and Crocs on set. Yeah, because it's comfortable. And I just go, well, I don't. Uh, it's just not workwear. Yeah. And I mean, like, obviously, like, there are costumers on set who get all dressed up. And it's like, well, they're costumes. So I'm always like, as you should. Right. Wear Dr- they're dressing the part dr- in their do way. Do your thing. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I think it's always be functional. Yeah. Look like you're about to do some work. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. like you just, you know, been eating cap Crunch, smoking weed all day. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And having, I think that's an interesting point about the accessories too, like dressing the, the part in terms of clothing and then having like the functional accessories, be it a pen or a watch or I can or spot pockets. different crew members from a mile uh, Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Like, that's a grip. That's electrician. Yeah. Like, that's crafty. Right. That's a teamster. Right, right, right. It's like there's all these like, you know, looks. Most of the set dressers are in shorts and like they move shit all day. You always know the scenic, the standby painters, you got paint all over them. Right. It's like that's that dude (laughs) or lady. Yeah. You know, whoever. Yeah. There's evidence of their work. Yeah, usually, usually like. Everybody has like the sides or the. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You see see somebody with some call sheets and sides sticking out of their back pocket, you're like, that's. Probably a PA or an AD. Mm-hmm. Not many grips just run around with a call sheet and size on them. Right, right. really affect their days of work. Right. <laughs> um, well, I think all that surface level stuff sort of inspires uh, trust also. What do you mean? Like if, like if um, you're on set and you're wearing like your your uniform oh like they or know whatever. to go to they know yeah and they feel like you appreciate this your person job. knows what's going on well you know what's going on but also you are passionate enough about your job to care and to find an answer if you don't well, yeah so like you'll yeah. get an answer either way well yeah you don't just you don't ever just go i don't know right so i'm finding out right so anybody who like really looks like their production or their um department I'm going straight to the person who looks most like the department. Or be really good at bullshitting. And, you know, the like if I've ever been put on the spot and some shit's going down 
and people in the radio are like, what's going on? And people in front of you are a part of it and everyone's talking and you're just like, to tell the people on the radio that aren't witnessing the madness or that you're the puzzle you're trying to solve. I go, I usually say something like, it's all happening. <laughs> right. Just like calm them down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking into it, but it's all happening. So saying like, yeah, that's a professional way and positive way of saying, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I'm frantically trying to figure it out. Yeah. 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 I just go, um, looking into it right now, we'll get your answer shortly, but don't worry. It's all happening. Right. That's like it was like a big blanketed term for like shit may or may not be fucked up, but we're fixing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things are in motion. We're yeah. like trying to sort it out. Yeah. If you ever can't find find anyone or you don't know where they're at, I'm like, oh, what? Let me get a hook in them. Right. You know, you just have to always make it sound like it's happening because it is. A lot of times it already slowly. has and it is, but then there's yeah. other times where it's just. Little ancillary things don't happen and it backs you up just a little bit. Mm. Like they came back from the bathroom a hair second late. So sorry, it's they're putting back in their eccentric whatever costume it is. Yeah. Or ready to roll, losing the light. Okay, here's the play by play, putting on the socks. Yeah. Putting on the belt. Yeah. Like, and you're just like, well, it time out. And it's mm-hmm. like all just silly stuff right. when you start to talk about it. Well, because a lot of the time the there people is- aren't silly though. The pe- oh, like the people. All the people in the crew like are very individual. talented. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like every individual person is going through like their internal arc for the day, yeah. and so different things are really. It's important. just on theater. It's just this whole like. I mean, it's just silly stuff. Like one night on season three of *For All Mankind*, I remember this. This was fucking funny. Oh, I'm so ready. We and it's like you have to be there for these things because the the whole day happening uh-huh. really just like sets it up. That was the carnival and being in yeah. the heat and being in the sun and how when we got there the first day it was a complete shit show and mm-hmm. the fucking first didn't show up for like an hour mm-hmm. and all the gear was in the wrong spot and we mm-hmm. had to like move it right away but we couldn't get an answer because the adults in charge at Planet Day wouldn't answer. <laughs> That's why it's fun. And me and the second second where they're like an hour early going, okay, this is going to be a great day. So then you fast forward like 13 hours later. And now mind you, in this day, the actor lived close to the neighborhood. She's like, I want to go home for lunch. And that's like, you letting an actor like leave is like, well, can you get him back? Yeah, that's So, But I knew this person like well enough. Like we had a good rapport. I had the phone number. She was like, Adam, and I promise it's only like, you know, three minute drive away. First was like, yep, that's cool. Just make sure she comes back. <laughs> right. Not that it doesn't, but, you know, you go happen, you start living life. It's like we're back in. It's all about time. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, we trust everybody, but the time. So it's like dealing with that all day. So then fast forward. I'm at, we do road closures. Mm-hmm. I'm at the end of our road standing on one of the orange and white barricade foldable a-frame sign I'm like leaning on it tired ready to go home and collecting dailies we mm-hmm. collect daily time sheets from everybody mm-hmm. i was one of the last people on set and i'm watching these fucking grips <laughs> load their truck the slow as fuck and take their time and i'm sitting on the back of the frame like this <laughs> it's like can they hurry up right yeah and then the medics over there too and he can get spicy at times, but he was cool. He <laughs> right. was ready to go. Right. And then the littlest grip 
I'm he barely five feet. I mean, maybe five two. Just wow. a little dude. They start talking shit to each other, and I'm sitting there at first like this, you know. And they start talking shit, and then a truck comes around, and the medics like everybody back up, back up, and he's like trying to help keep the road clear, like the medic doing yeah. safety stuff. Yeah. And then the little grip dude's like, man, what are you doing? That's not even your job, dude. You need to chill out. And so he starts going at him again. Oh, no. And so finally the medic turns around and goes, you can shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I go like this. I'm like, oh, shit. And now I'm, like, woke I'm like, okay. I was like, this is good. And he was like, he's like, he's like, he's like, man, you got a little short man. So you better back the fuck up before I beat your ass. And then he pushes him. Oh, no. And I'm just sitting there like, just like, oh, my God. Do you guys really have to do this right now? Literally. Oh right? my gosh. And I mean, like, they like got in each other's face Whoa. and like cussing big, you know, it was like, it was the medic. Yeah. Punking the grip. Yeah. In front of all the grips. The little tiny grips. Yeah. Oh and they're my all gosh. just standing there. No one's defending him. He's like, because well, they're having their own thing. Well, yeah, yeah, but no one really likes this kid. Right. Like, he always talks shit. And right. I'm just, but I was, I'm sitting there as production going, oh my God, I just want to go home. <laughs> Can you, can you guys do this shit elsewhere? Right. Well, because now you have to deal with this it, little right? Shit, but, like, yeah, but, like, I I know that that shit happens in the workplace, but it's just so funny <laughs> after, like, the day you have. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's, like, the end of the day, like, on Praise This, the musical. Mm-hmm. So, we had all these backgrounds mm-hmm. all day long. Hot. It was hot as fuck. Yeah, because we were, were doing shit outside. We were shit outside. This was in August. In Atlanta, hot, hot. the worst. We were we were actually doing really good with the background about putting them in the inside. Like we'd bring them out, set them real quick, and yeah. then send them back in while we set up. Oh, that's good. So they weren't like yeah. Tense. We didn't make we did not make. Them oh my stand. gosh, we were, like that's good. had we had a ton of PAs mm-hmm. passing out water. I was like actually really proud of how our team handled the heat with the background. Yeah, but one of the days they booked this lady and she's a little heavier set lady, but you know had curves. She's like a hot mama trying to look cute. She has big ass tattoos. She's a little more fair skin, light skin black lady. Mm-hmm. Has, so you could see her tattoos really well. She had a big ass tattoo. And I saw her in the morning, right? Center set. And mind you all day, background try to individualize shit and make oh, yeah. their teeny teeny problems everybody's problems. Oh, of course. It's part so of being. I'm background. not rude. But no. if you come up to me and you're being rude and short and real petty, I just I'd brush it off professionally. You mat. You have a great I ability to match their energy. You. Yeah, and I but and I match how I'm approached. Yes. I'm like, I'm very accommodating for everybody. You are. You just have to tell me. So this lady, I don't remember what I'm about. There, there's two parts to her story, okay. which I'm getting to. Uh huh. Hot fucking day all day long. Right. This lady, I saw her in the morning when she came out to set. I was putting her on a set. I was about to set her. And then I could, all I could see was the shitty cover-up on her tattoo. It was one of the worst cover-up jobs I've ever seen. Like, you would see it on camera and would think that she had some, like, skin condition. Oh, interesting. It was bad. It was distracting for yeah. camera. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, oh, I got to move you. And she's like, why? I was like, well, they just messed up your tattoo cover. And she kind of, like, took it. Like, per, like, I could tell she was like, oh, well, that's what they did. And I'm sitting here going, I know that's what they did. <laughs> 
So this is what we're doing yeah, to I'm fix like, it. I know they miss not your tattoo or you as a person. It's this blot of like cover on your arm. That yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. from fifty yards away. Right. And I didn't tell her any of this. Like that detail I was like, it's a tattoo. It's not you. You know what I mean? Right. And so there was like other two times where she was like, "Well, I can go up here." And I was like, "No, nah, it's your tattoo. You got to stay in the back." Mm-hmm. So I think she got like butt hurt. Well, yeah, because she's there as background, like trying to be seen. To this. Okay. So the day goes on. Of course it does. And at the end of the day, we get a call over the radio. And it's something like this a background's car just got hit and crew parking. What we'll have, it was a homeless dude driving an old school bus with t shirts for windows. Yeah, like T-shirts in the window. Yeah. And he was like rogue driving through our parking lot, and he smashed this lady's Land Rover. Oh, my gosh. Same lady, that tattoo arm lady. No. So I go out there, and I stay late. Here's the L&D form while she filled it out. I turn in the office, do all these things. The next day... The producer pulls me aside and starts telling me about a complaint about me that some background artist had. Wonder who that was. Yeah. And it was Homegirl. <laughs> yeah. Who, it was like this scathing email, but was more about the casting company. Oh, okay. But decided through it that I was rude and I wouldn't give her any snacks. Oh, you so you withheld snacks. But you withheld she wrote crafty this shit after... I was like, hey, here's your L&D form that sucks. I was standing there like, I'm off the clock. I'm like, I was going home at this point, but I was like, I'm on my way to crew parking. I'll take this L&D form, and I'll turn it back into the office. Hopefully, production might help her out. Yeah, right. And then the next day, she wrote that shit. And then I find out that she got kicked off of that set that she was on the next day that she, like, wrote that shit from. Whoa. So it was, like, real crazy. Yeah. It was, like, yeah. one of those things, like, at the end of the day, here we go again. Crazy background lady got her car hit. I'm having to wait for her. Right. And then the next day she fucking toasts me in an email. Of course. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it were goes. You, were you at the Coda building on Herald by Georgia Tech Library? No, I didn't get to go that day. So that day, oh, day wasn't even over. Another background artist, this guy, early, early as fuck in the morning, like of our day. He calls me because mm-hmm. where we had background for parking was a parking garage. My van won't fit. I could have been like, sorry, I guess I don't know what to tell you to do if you have to find your own parking, pay for it. Oh, like he couldn't get into he, the. Yeah, yeah, fit. yeah. And, I, and I, I, mind you, I'm on location dealing with a bunch of other things. Right. With like making sure holding set up where my additional PA, PAs are, they're helping me. Making sure we have it set up to point, get background from the under the street parking garage up top, down a block and a half over the Georgia Tech Library. Make sure they can make it upstairs. We're checking. It's like yeah, you're constantly. I'm on the phone with this one guy. Of course, one dude. That's like my car won't fit in the garage. So I say, all right, bro, I got you. Hold on one second. Bleepity bleep on the phone. I text him the base camp parking address. Oh, wow. And say, go here, and then I coordinate a van to Whoa. bring him to me. Now, that's a big deal. People don't understand, but you don't just, like, like, have a van for yeah, yourself. Yeah, because we're, like, at, a, like, base camp's, like, a couple of minutes right away yeah. at somewhere else. Yeah. It's the Yerba Center off of Ponce, uh-huh. that church mm-hmm. that they do it at. 
We did it. We were there a couple of times with Harold. And so this guy shows up and throughout the day we're in like, it's supposed to be like a downtown, like financial, like little like district area where they have like, you know, there's like outside seating for people to eat. And there's a couple of like vendor stands. It's like this, the, this, the scene. And we had like a couple extra vendor stands. So they were like, yo, just make a few extra vendors out of some of the patrons from the yeah. ND background, which right. is like, here's an apron. You're a vendor now. Mm-hmm. I could use you for whatever I want. I just wanted to have some people in my back pocket in case I wanted to add a couple people at the vendor things. Yeah. And so I told this dude, he's like, can you use me? I was like, well, just hang out here, man. I was like, hang out here, hang out here. And then like did a couple takes. Maybe we finished the scene. And I was like, hey, can you actually go change? I just want to make you a vendor. Mm-hmm. He came back. I never really used him because we were fine. He was just sitting there. Like, I never had to, like, yeah. put him behind a vendor stand or do anything. And I never used to really use him as crosses. Uh-huh. I just used him kind of sitting at a table. So, right before lunch, I go to, I was like, as silly as it seems, I was like, I'm going to go use the bathroom inside the Georgia Tech Library because it's really nice. No, I totally get it. I, I do that too. Use, yeah, I didn't want to use the little four banger by Katie. No, I no. Was like, I was like, let me just like take like get a little break from set. No, if you're on location and yeah. there's a nice restroom, yeah. you use that restroom. Yeah, exactly. So I go up there, I go to the bathroom, I'm coming back, and this guy passes me all like in a fit. And I was like, hey, is everything okay? He goes, no, it's not okay. Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> that was a lot of energy, and I wasn't even there. Yeah, he was like, no, it's not okay. And I think he was like, he was either like Indian or Middle Eastern. It's like his accent wasn't super thick, but he had one. Oh. So I was like, I, I just knew he said, no, it's not okay. I couldn't tell the, what else he right, said. Right, right, right. And so I was like, okay, I'll, he was like walking around. I was like, okay, I'll wait for you. when you come back. I'll wait right here. And so he came out. I was like, what's the problem? He goes, you're the problem, man. You're an asshole. You oh use me all day. He's like, I'm not, I'm not here. I got other shit I can be doing. I was like, I was like, are you sure you want to say? He said, no, I got some personal stuff going on. I was like, he's like, man, you're such an asshole. And I was like, well, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way. He's like, yeah, this is how I feel. And then he takes his voucher yes. his, and then his W4 package no. and rips it up in front of my <laughs> face and goes, here, how do you like that? And I was like, <laughs> my mind, I'm like, all right, dude, see you later. <laughs> and so the next thing I do is I just get on the phone and I call a casting company and said, hey. <laughs> I was like, check. So there's this guy that when I first met him this morning, here's what I did for him. Right. Van to base. Special treatment. Helped him out. Yeah. And then he didn't really get used all day. And I guess he felt like I was like singling him out not to use him, mm-hmm. which turned into him thinking I'm an asshole, which turned into him ripping up his paperwork and leaving. Right. So it I'm, escalated very so quickly. So I told him, I was like, I'm not going to pay him for today. Because he ripped up his And I was like, payment. don't ever send him back to this show. Yeah. And then I was like, also, if I was you, I would take him out of your database because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anyone coming from me as a casting company to go on a set and be crazy like that. Yeah. Like, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So then the next day I get a call and I said, guess who called us today? Oh, my God. <laughs> Mr. So-and-so about how we were so mean and we're not going to pay him, so now he's going to sue Sony. Oh, wow. Big stuff. And I said, well, I'm glad I called you yesterday then. She was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, my God. So this That's is like so dramatic. little shit like that all the time. Oh, my like God. Like when, when you have 
like all this other stuff is going on and then there are these people <laughs> that are making these like individualized like struggles oh, of out course. of nowhere and i'm like what are you doing yeah 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 stop well yeah well that goes back to what you were saying go before do Uber Eats or something like don't why do you have to come here right true no literally nobody has to be on this film set like you do not have to be here it's not even that fun it really isn't. You get sometimes you get really cool groups of people. Yeah, you're doing cool scenes. And yeah, having fun. I but on the for big one, call days on Harold. On the big call days. Yeah, is when all the crazies come out. Oh, for sure. On one of the overnights, it was part. We had a. I felt like we had a background person about to literally fight us because of their out time. So it's just and this is like <laughs> this is after like an entire day of filming craziest shit in Woodruff Park. All the rats. My mind, I'm trying to like count and do numbers yeah. with the vouchers and go through them and separate them. And this guy at 5.45 in the morning starts arguing about his time card. I'm like, dude. And then he starts squaring up and chesting oh up my and, gosh. And, and getting all aggressive. And I'm yeah. like, then I go out of like math mode to like... Being present, like, all right, what's do I need to like get security over here? Do I need a cop? Like, well, because now you're problem solving because well, it's a safety yeah, thing. Yeah, now I'm like, this guy's getting really aggressive. Yeah, like really quick. <laughs> but that, like, that shit happens, and it's like all the time when with these, and it's fine. It's part of the game. It's never ending, but it's just so funny. So I used to journal every day after work. Oh, you did? Yeah. Do you still do it? No, I fell off. But there No, was, you need to get back to it. Well, there's one day, I, I remember it was a, it, a crazy-ass day in L.A., and I remember the journal entry goes, I never realized how much I hated working at CB Radford until today. <laughs> that was how I started the journal entry. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, how important is um, in all of these different altercations or special events is objectivity in them like staying objective about everything oh you have to it's like tactical almost yeah you have to have like the tactical empathy of like making you want i always want people to know that i hear them and i understand them but this is this is the the path we're taking Mm, so you want people to like feel like they're seen. I and think heard. you always want people to feel seen and heard. You know, and understood. You don't want to. I mean, sometimes at work and in life, it's all going way too fast to do those things properly. And mm -hmm. sorry, but anytime you can, I feel like you'd want people to feel heard. Mm -hmm. And at least, like I, I heard you, and I'm trying to understand you. But this is what has to happen. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, you can't take any of it personal. People right. do. It's wild how much people do. Yeah. I'll ask simple questions and people like crew members will be like, I'm taking shots at their person, person you know. Like you're atta attacking their identity. I'll just ask a simple question like, are you guys ready? And it's like. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's like it's a fucking Spanish inquisition on how well they can do their job <laughs> or not. I was like, I just, are you ready? Like, no one's like, it's all good. I just like, we know. don't need a monologue. Yeah. I don't like, you don't have to. I mean, I there was a saga on for all mankind that it was like two weeks in the making with me in the sound department <laughs> why well, like the sound mixer come up and like yell at me oh my god losing his mind and i just you know i did the whole crew saw it i had my hands in my pockets and i was like i would do like this said, man kenny sorry you feel that way brother <laughs> and i said my bosses are asking me to do this job this way 
or right and set, and you can go talk to him. They're yeah, right in there. Right. I was like Brian. I was like Brian's in there. You can go talk to him. Oh wow. Yeah. That, and I'm sure he went straight to Brian. Yeah. And then guess yeah. what? For like the next week, they apologized to me. Uh huh. Because what they don't understand is like I'm not over here just making this shit up in my head. This is what my boss who's running the set is asking to happen. Right. And you guys have been combative multiple times and have done it your way. And then our way was the better way. And we, you know, no one's keeping tally here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not over here just calling these shots on my own. Like, no. So I was like, go talk, like, two department heads, like, you guys go talk. Mm-hmm. And figure it out. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, you're in that position. You are sort of like a target and an out, like, an easy outlet for oh, people yeah, totally. to, like, but vent I, I, all their what, stuff onto. What, what happens is if I were to lose control and say some choice things, I'm going to look like the bad guy. Oh, yeah, of course. So you always want to control the narrative to the best of the ability. Hmm. No matter, like, even if it's just what they're going to remember at the end of the day is the dude being an asshole raising his voice over the person remaining calm. Right. Because it boils down to, like, character traits and, and everybody responses. everybody came up and like, man, he was losing his mind. You were just playing it cool. I was like, what else was I going to do? <laughs> you want to take this outside, buddy? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, no. no. Like, you're at work. You're right. Gonna... And you always just want to be stoic. You just want to, like, mm. you know, try to... Keep you. It's one of those things like never let them see you bleed. You know, never let them see you cry. Like you can do all those things, but just do it behind closed doors. Mm. You want to just keep that consistent persona. They just get the job done. They're nice. They like to have fun. Because all that comes at a cost in any mm-hmm. any craft to like show up and do it every day. There's times where you go home and you're like, "Why the fuck am I doing this shit?" You know what I mean. It yeah, because it's hard. What it's happens really... every, I think it happens in every profession where somebody's passionate. You give a lot. And so sometimes when you want to get something back, you don't always get it back. So you have to, like, there's a couple of times where I was driving home late nights, splits, mm-hmm. working Wednesday through Sunday. It sucks. It's like you go, you know, it's always prevalent why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like you get down, but. But that's the business, and um, always got to stay calm. So how has that sort of, like, calmness or stoicism helped you build relationships both on set and in your life life outside of set or work? Well, the work to home life ratios been skewed for a long time. Yeah. Cause because basically we're working like 12, 12 hours is a easy day. I, yeah. I quit hanging out with a lot of people that weren't in the industry. Yeah. Cause I wanted to work all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I started hanging out with people that I like to work with. Right. And I started working with them. Right. And then now we're on each other's schedules. Right. And now we all we all get the relationship. Like this is like if you if you're dating or married to somebody that's in a entertainment industry, it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's like you you don't you know you're not home for ten hours a day, mm-hmm. and for like six hours a day that you're conscious for or whatever you know that you're worth a damn that you're fun to be around. You know you always try to keep good energy and a good mindset, right? Um. But the p- 
people I know now and the people that are like make up my family now are basically mostly all people from work. Mm. I still have a few friends that I'll see every other, you know, on the weekends and stuff here and there that aren't in the industry, but pretty much of anyone in my life that is of value came from the film industry Mm. that I know that I like value as people in my lives. Mm Mm-hmm. Hands down. Um, I mean, my family is my family. Value most of them. <laughs> sure. Um, and you value everybody. Or, or you sh- it's not I don't think they don't have any value, but you get what I'm saying. Like, the yeah, people you're like, just... they if like, we all have people that affect us daily. Right. That you need right. to, like, interact with daily to have, to get your fill or whatever you want to call it. And... Most of the people that I have in my life now that in every aspect that I'm like in cahoots with work wise or we try to create together artistically or if it's just the people that I like going out with, it's pretty much all work people. I mm-hmm. don't have a ton of friends that aren't from the film industry. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't. I don't think it's a, not that anyone's saying it's a bad thing. I don't think that's wrong either. But when you've been like, I've entrenched my life into that now. So the blur between work and life is like, it's real kind of I do it. So we, I work so much. It's, it's just like roller coaster. Hamster. Yeah. It's like a roller coaster hamster wheel. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You just keep going and the days and all this stuff just blur together. And oh yeah. Months go by really fast and. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much my entire existence is based off the, like my relation, my existence and relationships exist from people I know at work. I don't, I wanted to work all the time, surround myself by those people and it just hasn't stopped. Mm. Is that energizing for you? What, like meeting to people? Be- well, to be no, I think you're. I think you're pretty energized by meeting people. You're yeah, a pretty sociable like a thing. person. Yeah. But in like having this reminder of work and everybody that you meet, like, or not everybody that you meet, but like the people that are closest to you at the moment. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, what is it now? Like, do you? I guess what I'm asking is, do you feel like fulfilled or energized by the people? like that are close to you like also being part of your like working world or are you feeling like there's um maybe like a lack no i feel it's it's very rich Mm -hmm. it was very rich in people but then i also have this weird thing where i kind of i'm torn right now i actually was thinking about this earlier today Mm. i was like should i put a halt on making new relationships and just focus on life mm-hmm. and the people I have already. Right. But then I always go, you never know what one fucking person can do to your life. Right. It could be a very bad thing, but it could also be a very good thing. And that's so tough because in film, like you were meeting people every couple every months show. or every day. Yeah, honestly. so it's like, it's hard not to me do that in my real life. Yeah. Like my not work life. Yeah. So there's a part of me like fantasy that I'm going to meet that like one individual. This is like, it's going to change shit. Right. I don't even know what on level. 
like what level or how, what in what aspect that would be, what capacity. I just like it's hard for me not to meet people because I'm like you just never know. Yeah, yeah. and then it's like I think about it, so I can give time to where I feel like time's owed, mm-hmm. and you don't have to. On you know, not every relationship you have to water as much as the other one. Right. So that kind of the pros and cons of it all at the end of the day it really doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. just do what you do. Mm. But I feel very rich with the what I have going on now. Mm. But I had a rich circle in LA too, though, real tight. We had like there's four to six people that were like we worked all the time together, have had a blast party together. We all got each other's like the thing is you get shorthand with people and like you can have a language and you're just like you can be like yeah you know what's up you know what I need to happen. And you could have talked about that four minutes ago and referenced that. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't even have to explain yourself. You can just say certain things. It just happens. So it's like, I, I also don't trust people a lot on film sets until like week three. I was about to say, it takes a good few weeks, at yeah. least for me to like build like or relationships with out. people. Or we, need right. to, or, or we have to go out like after week one or two. Yeah. That's like a must. Mm-hmm. Because if you've ever met somebody at work, like you don't, that's their projected work version of who they are. Whether they've spent 30 years crafting it or five years or just a year or however long they've been doing working and they've like found themselves. Like I kind of like know who I am at work now. Mm-hmm. Like I've been in the career that I've been in. I've been doing it. Done it in different places. Like I kind of like know... Who, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to operate at work. Like yeah, my, how you're going to react. Like everybody you. has their own like mission statement of like their principles and their morals and how they carry themselves and talk to people. I figure that out. Mm-hmm. So I know that, but nobody knows Party Dan. Yeah, They're two different people. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but when you understand one, you get the other. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people, I'm like this all the time. Mm-hmm. Some people just think it's at work. Some people, I'm being an asshole. It's like, if you go out and hang out with me and go get dinner and grab drinks, you know, it's not it at all. Mm-hmm. It's just very passionate about what I do. I want to like, it is a business at the end of the day. We are making art also at the end of the day. So how do we merge the two and get it done professionally efficiently and also have you know a good final product it takes a certain depends on the show too but also all the people are doing with it you know i was gonna get somebody that's like please and thank you i've been on a show 100 300 people and then i have one background say you can at least say thank you they give you sass and i'm like oh i guess you didn't hear me say it the other 84 (laughs) times today yeah right the one time i didn't say it you know so it's like I always try to be and that's with everybody, crew and background, cast, um, all it's treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like no So I'm trying to stay on topic with what you asked me. About what was it? Um, if you felt like there was a lack. Yeah, yeah, there is no lack. I'm so glad to hear but that. I always I won't let it be like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like right now you're really focused on sort of like building your security in 
the film industry and also well in here for sure in atlanta yeah start over a little bit yeah so it's this is fine i like i've jumped around so long that i don't I don't have a problem going, like, there's some people that like to do the same show every day, like, I hate, they can't do the day playing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fine, it's, like, the best way to meet people mm-hmm. and get around, I like, guess it's, it's the best way, so. Mm-hmm. Well, you also told me one time that you know uh, almost immediately or immediately when you're going to get along with somebody. Well, it's almost an instant. Oh, yeah? What is that? Is it the same thing with everybody, or usually, like how do you know? It's, let me just clarify because okay. it's usually like I know right away whether I'll like them. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'll know right away, but oh, I like that person. Yeah, hold on. It's motorcycle. That's gonna be me in a couple of weeks nice. now that I have my license. Better watch out for your wrists. I know. No, I was having a lot of struggle. I was struggling a lot with um, <laughs> riding it because the throttle. Have you ridden a motorcycle? No, they're dangerous as fuck. Well, anyway, not so, a fan. Like the throttle. I don't support motorcycles. <laughs> the throttle was giving me so much trouble because I'm used to this bike, yeah. regular bike, where you can just like pull the brake um, towards you. Right. But with the throttle, you can't pull the throttle towards you and yeah. expect it to stop because that's how it goes. Yeah. So I had to stop doing it with my wrist and start doing it with my elbow. Oh, like pinching. Well, like pushing my arm forward instead of rolling my wrist yeah, back. Yeah, because you can't roll the throttle back. Right. Yeah. So there were a couple times where I like braked using the clutch, um, but the throttle was going. So it was really confusing to the point where the instructor had to be like, we need to figure that out. Yeah. But it's okay. I figured it out. No motorcycles. No, for you. No, I know too many people have gotten in wrecks. Yeah, they're, they, they can be pretty dangerous. I mean, like, I understand the yeah. chances of everything in life. I get it, but it's just like, I'm not not jumping out of a plane, not riding a fucking motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the odds aren't in my favor. And that's fine. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry to cut you off. No, it's fine. You have to. You have to stop me. <laughs> But I do want you to continue with that thought. Which one? The one where you were saying, um, we were talking about how you know if you're going yeah, to like somebody. So I know, I know, like, instantly if I'm like, I like them, they're cool. I think I'll like them. I yeah. I just need to, like, hang out once or twice, and I'm pretty sure we'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. What is that feeling? Well, I'm saying I'm usually pretty spot on about that. Okay. There's, like, another one when I go, when I go, hold up. When I have to say, hold up. <laughs> That the verdict is out. The verdict hasn't come out yet. Oh, so it's not, you don't it's like It's either them. I know I like you or like we gotta, I, it's what I'm saying is I don't know that I don't like you. So it's a neutral feeling. Yeah, if I go, if I don't, in my mind, if I don't green light you, like almost instantly, you're in, it's like a holding pattern. Oh, that's interesting. I did that hmm. with a guy that's a real good buddy of mine now. Uh-huh. I met him on this, you so we've all seen the master classes. Yeah. So I actually, feel, I worked on a master class shoot for. It was the first one Thomas Keller did. Okay. And it's really easy. They just set up like six cameras and shoot a dude cooking shit. Right. In a house, all the same direction for four days. Mm-hmm. Anyways, first day I met this guy, he was super high energy and like positive, and it. I was just like, this guy is full of shit. I just, like, I felt like something was, like, 
I was like, this can't, it can't be like this all the time. Like, this is like just so much positive energy and, oh, yeah, woo, 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 woo. Go yeah, yeah, all yeah. Shit. Like, he must be hiding something. Yeah, but then after like, like, but like intently, like three, four, five days with this guy, and we started, like, I, I jump started going, let me see if this guy's for real. <laughs> so, usually, like, on a film set, mm hmm. This is a commercial type thing. Usually on a film set that I'm staffed on, I just usually wait through two to three weeks before For I make just, judgment. For just like natural interactions to run their course. If there's a couple people that shine bright and I go, oh, that's the homie. That's a universal, like we know each other from another life. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. But usually I just go big, big holding pattern on people. Set the bar low, holding pattern. Mm -hmm. This guy was like, this guy like an enigma <laughs> and so that started talking to him more started you know shooting the shit talking shop i was like oh this guy's so cool that was like four years ago i saw this dude every day and it was wild i finally went oh you just like that i was like that's just you you can't mm. you always gotta be doing something you can't not work like you have like you have to go 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 gung-ho super positive super upbeat now he meant he ended up losing his mind trying to unlock his third eye, but that's a different. That's a different story. story. Still a good dude. Yeah, talk to him all the time. Cherish the what relationship we have. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the like that was one of the last times that I like broke the holding pattern. Right. Because I was like, this guy's too much. But usually it's like I know if I'm gonna like you right away, and but if I don't know that, it's like let's just. The true colors take a little bit to come out. Because mm. my saying is, everyone's cool till they're not. <laughs> That's a really good saying. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's like at some point, something will happen. Right. Whether it's a genuine mess up, something they did, something will happen. Mm -hmm. And you just take, keep, stay present. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I was like, oh, I remember this situation that person said this last week and now they're going back on what they said this week okay so you notice inconsistency yeah you got to yeah you got to, oh i've been doing this for so and so amount of years and then a week later it's less than what they said the week like right and like all those little things well because when you're talking to people and you're people saying those things like that's the only thing that you have on them to go off of well, so like people, that becomes their identity that's in your what I'm saying. you gotta pay attention to what people say because their right. stories like don't always add up and it could be minute minuscule details but then you go oh, this person's a pathological liar right <laughs> yeah it's kind of have you ever seen the um meet the parents i don't think i have robert actually. nero and ben stiller mm -mm. all right well i'm fucking leaving this podcast <gasps> no uh no but like Greg, played by Ben Stiller, he he wants to impress the, the dad, uh -huh. and he'll always say something and figure out that it's not, like, he basically was like, he went to their house, and her parents were showing off, his, like, he went with his girlfriend to the parents' house, and she's like, oh, meet our cat, Greg, and the girlfriend goes, Greg hates cats, and he looks at her like, why the fuck would you say that to your parents when I'm trying to make a good impression? Oh, and so yeah. he was like, he made up a lie, like a little white lie, and mm -hmm. he did that throughout the movie. And at the end, it like all comes out. Oh, like, right, right, right. People do that. Yeah, it snowballs. Yeah. Oh, I got a friend that's like a friend from high school that's notorious for doing that. 
every story his dad would come running out of the house in his underwear. It was like, it always start like that. <laughs> and it's some convoluted fucking story. Uh-huh. So you're saying, I just, you let people operate, natural selection happens, they eventually do something, they circle talking to themselves, they say they'll do something that they never do, or they just won't produce. And mm. it's, but yeah, thanks for that. Mm. I think that's kind of right about the, the natural selection comparison. Yeah, put them on hold. Put them on hold for a week. Mm-hmm. Put them on a little probationary period. Mm-hmm. Because there's, I do feel like there's a lot of people in the world that aren't deserving of what you have to give in your energy. And if you have to give to everybody, like you don't have some for yourself, but also the people that do deserve it aren't getting it. Mm-hmm. So I have to feel like you have to like taper how much of yourself you give to people. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to figure that out. I have a hard time with that. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Um, I just like the energy of human interaction, so it's hard for me. So, right, so socializing energizes you? Yeah, it does most of the time. So would you say then you're more extroverted? Yeah, but I also hit little pockets of I don't want to do anything for like two weeks. Right, right. That's not usually, I'm still usually very social. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, but that's probably why I like being on set so much. It's mm-hmm. just a very social thing. Yeah, it's a very social job. Very social. For sure, for sure. What else energizes you? And then conversely, what drains your energy? Um... energizes me and it's just kind of like excelling in your career which it seems very like it seems very slow moving thing and I don't feel like I get excited about it when I'm make hit checkpoints or cross milestones but Mm -hmm. it's more of one of the things that happens over a period of time as though it's not energizing me now hopefully in like five years I'll be really energized by it because of all the work I put in. Mm-hmm. I kind of look at it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the moment, things that energize me are like good people, music, and food. Mm-hmm. The little things. And, uh, yeah. The little really, things that are the big things. Really trying to find good people to create with and good spaces to, to create with. Um, but energize, it's just, you're always just working. It's like work, 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 work. And you pass these milestones. And I don't acknowledge them too much because I go, it's part of the process. You do these things and these things will happen. I'm hoping one day I go, wow, like, did that awesome. You know? It's only happened like one or two times where I, I like took a step back and I was like, God damn right, I did that shit. And you were really proud of it. Yeah, and it wasn't even it was it was like maybe two or three times and it wasn't it was so under the radar. It was like my own little story, you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't any big to do. It was like it was most of the big the to do stuff was like that was stuff you were supposed to do. The grand accomplishments to me kinda come from when you're consistently doing the right things and it finally pays off. Because like, I can do little things all day, but, oh, I felt good about it. It was cool. Do a good job. But to me, just showing up and doing the job is like, you know, that's doing get a pass. It's like what you're supposed to do. Right. And right. so when you, you know, 
Um, yeah. Mm. Well, it's kind of like snowballing in a good way. Yeah, I guess what it was like the last time I remember like getting stoked about where I was at in my life was when I was putting my book together and I did like the first big night of printing my days, my call sheets out. Mm-hmm. I think I printed like 495 and it was like a stack of paper like this. Yeah. And I went, this is my life over the last six and a half, seven years. This is what Whoa. my life quantifies to. Whoa. That's crazy to have, like, a tangible representation it was of like, it. like, that's what it was. Like, this is what I've been doing. Yeah. And I was like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. Not that I do, but, like, at the same time, I don't know everything. You have it a competence level. But you lead, yes, where you feel, like, competent and confident. And mind you, that didn't last long. I won't let it linger. I right. don't like being in that state of overjoyed. I mm-hmm. don't like that. Yeah. It's too much. Well, you can't trust it. No, it's scary. It's, yeah. I want to get excited something about it and then just continue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's normal. Yeah. It's the moment you just, like, get all blissful and, like, head in the clouds. It's, like, it's too much. The, everybody wants to ride the ups and downs, but it's, like, so much better just to cruise mm-hmm. and, like, hit a little bump. Mm-hmm. Get a little jump. You don't need these big, like, launch into space moments. Mm-hmm. Because when you come down, it sucks. Right. And you're, like, you're, like, fiending for it. So I'd much rather just consistently go about. Get a little excited here and there. So what happened was I started getting all these, started getting calls for AD work. I get excited and the job will go away and I get pissed. Like, the job get, will, like, end like, or it just like, wouldn't work out. Or, yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, trying to make the jump you feel like the doors are starting to open mm. that's in any career trying to level up you know and um but hopefully where my career is taking me and like because right now i don't feel energized do you know what i mean i'm sure if i was getting paychecks every week and like paying off this debt and like saving a ton of money i might feel a little more energized if you mm-hmm. want to know the shitty fiscal answer of it all you know that might help mm-hmm. you know i think like anytime you can upgrade your space that you inhabit to make it more what you want it i think in, your home energy is a big thing too mm-hmm. there's like a lot of stuff i want to do the house there's a lot of stuff i want to do and i can't do that i'm you know i'm in this weird period right now mm-hmm. so i'm hoping that i'll be energized i'm just consistently doing the things you're supposed to do right now so it's hard to get stoked about it yeah yeah well yeah i've definitely had the experience and am living the experience where i have i also have a bunch of things that i really want to do but i'm not i can't do them um when that happens to me i tend to get anxious about those things right because i i literally just cannot do them right, right. now but i want to um do you harbor anxious feelings i try not to yeah so uh, um i always feel like i'm not doing enough mm-hmm. i have to like it was a thing anthony bornane said where he's like always fighting that inner hippie that just wants to sit on the couch and smoke weed yeah i am that like that's <laughs> i just want to own a coffee ship somewhere a coffee shop oh i was about to say what is a coffee ship yeah you want a coffee ship <laughs> with, like a coffee shop Somewhere on like the Pacific Northwest coast, 
I either want to go like Goonies vibe, like drizzle and drab all the time, or like San Diego or something. But a coffee shop by the water where I can sell film prints of mine while I like write and make Spotify playlists. That's that would like... be like, however I can do that and have enough money to travel when I want to. Like, that's all I, like, I don't, I'm necessarily, like, I'm in the film industry. I could never be a big time director. And if I own my little coffee shop, writing poetry, selling prints, making Spotify playlists, I'd be stoked. I don't like. I do not need the fame and the glory. Of course, I want to write and direct, make big movies, and be recognized for that. Sure. If it didn't happen, I'd be pretty stoked on aiding, and or a, being a coffee shop owner, and published, uh, published writer, poetry mm. writer. Mm. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Having just multiple outlets for your creativity. Yeah, like just do like just totally vibe out. Mm. That's like the most you thing I've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> but it, no, it sounds exactly based on what I know about you. It sounds like the things that would. But then realistically, you. I think about it, and I go, "This coffee shop would also have to be a bar, right?" Because I can't not have a drink with good people yeah yeah well there's plenty of i know coffee shops that are bars yeah like dual like dual sides yeah yeah you, know? you got your you know daytime and your yeah, night life exactly yeah so it's like but yeah it's weird so i don't a lot of people always tell me like yeah you should like you should think about how far you've come where you were five years ago i was like my brain doesn't work like that i guess right now i'm pretty anxious like on one end I'm really I don't really let myself be prideful about things it's a dangerous game yeah it just has felt like a gross sort of feeling to me because I never felt like I was I can't ever be self-righteous right um maybe like deep somewhere in the back of my brain like conscience maybe I'm like hey, man you killed it good job bro yeah and I'm not a Tim so I just did my job well, I think that's healthy, though, like, having, uh, like, not celebrating, but acknowledging what you were able to do in a certain circumstance. I don't really ever go, I know what the fuck I'm doing, and I can't believe anyone's not questioning me. That yeah. Those thoughts don't usually happen when I'm dealing with morons. Mm-hmm. And they, like, trigger my common sense. I go, I've been doing this for X amount of this and that, and why right. are you arguing with me? But my mind doesn't just freely think like that. I don't get into those places of like, I know what I'm doing. Unless people are like triggering me to defend myself that way. Yeah. Then I'm going like, what? Now we got to have this conversation. Well, so how does your mind work? I'm curious about that. You can't ask that. (laughs) Um, Because you were saying, you seem to be really interested in people, like how other people's minds work, like their psychology, like... Or at least that you've built, trained yourself to notice those things. Like, there's always a reason for people, like, wanting to ask this or why they're behaving that way. It's really easy. Somebody comes up to you and they ask you a question. And it's a very, it's a blanketed statement. Mm-hmm. But with, like, keywords 
right? They mm-hmm. ask you something on set. And I immediately go, they want to know something else. So I'll ask them, what's your question behind the question? Because <laughs> I want them to tell me what they really want to know. Uh-huh. A lot of people come up and ask questions. So you give them an answer and then they run off and like you give them a response and they go run off and formulate an answer. Instead of just them asking me the question directly and then me telling them the answer. Well, so does that work? Do people understand? Yeah, I like some people be like, well, what are they'll come ask something that just makes you go, why are they asking that? Like, I don't like it's either like it doesn't really tame to your department. It doesn't like it doesn't. That's something that's tomorrow or like it can be anything that just doesn't like line up or is like, why are they asking that? Like, what, what, are you, what's, what are you some question behind the question? Yeah. What do you really want to know? Yeah. If you tell me that, I can give you a better answer. Right. That's why. <laughs> now, if you ask me some crazy ass question, I, I, you, they like take your response and take the information they had, whether it was good or bad, and then like formulate their own answer. Or mm. it just turns to them asking another question and you give them another answer. Just like, tell me what you want to know. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they just word direct and you can respond directly or so yeah or so like if somebody giving you a questions. long explanation you go look I don't care how the sandwich is made just tell me <laughs> how good it tastes yeah 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 or like you know it just depends but I'm always like say you just make life interesting it's people and like you listen to what they say and like see what they do or don't do Mm-hmm. And just make a little game out of it. There's plenty of people where I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I think they're doing this. I'm like playing a chess game with them. Mm. Especially if there's someone set, there's some in real life. There's all these different little battles going on. So I watched this master class thing and said every conversation we have is a negotiation. And I kind of started thinking about it. I didn't finish the master class. He just said that and I, it resonated with me. Mm hmm. And I started thinking about more conversations that I'd had, and I was like, well, there was like some terms laid out and some some things said that you know, that could have been a negotiation. And I was just all honky dory through it and wasn't thinking from a point of understand what you're talking about. You weren't you were having the conversation from your perspective, but you weren't necessarily understanding it from theirs. Yeah, because there's all I think there's like subtle subtleties in how people ask. Or like terms or express things they want and if you're not keen if you're not present mm-hmm. and you're just like going about you miss some of those things mm. one of my professors used to say and i've been thinking about this a lot recently that every scene in a movie or whatever is either about love or power and i can't think of like between two people or between multiple people. And I've found that to be true. Like, if you really boil it down, like, it could be a whole b- about a whole bunch of other stuff, like, plot-wise. Right. But, like, relationship-wise. Right. It's like, are you expressing your, like, love for them, like, your friendship or your relationship, like, whatever? Or are you, like, trying to show them that you're above them or that they're below you? And that I found that to be an interesting way to also carry that into the real world too well when you say power though 
I feel more like position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. Yeah, right. Like the position of where they're at and how what how they're a fixture in your life. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can get that. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that. I just think uh, in the in the sense even like this podcast, uh, everything has to have, like in a good plot. Everything has to have stakes. Everything has to matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's going into your life that way, it's, you see it a little different. Mm. I mean, I don't. I'm not. You know, what the fuck do I know? I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? But that's just the things that I've noticed but everybody's different so everybody tries to say you gotta do this this way you gotta, you gotta do it works for you mm. we all have different true natures and flaws and qualities and you just have to navigate the best way what works for you what i did may not work for somebody else right right um i have two more questions that i can think of okay and then we can wrap it up um how I know I've never actually seen you play chess, but I know that I'm not you good. Play chess. I'm not good. You're not good. I'm not good. Well, I just play a lot. Well, that's fine. I think it's fun for people to do the things that I they want to do. Any like super professional? I didn't know that there were like strategies with it. I mean, I knew that people like could read a board and like choose like see the futures if they you know did and that. all that's way but, over my head yeah me too i'm just I a casual can. like drink my coffee and play some chess yeah 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 um which your coffee ship should have a little chess room in it or something yeah too. So a couple boards yeah 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 um but i would imagine being present in chess would be very important yeah it is there's a lot going on that any one time, mm. there's just so many moves you can make. There's so many sacrifices you can make. It's uh, it's quite fascinating. And playing that game has me also think about life a little different sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah, you're just thinking, you know, a couple of steps ahead instead of just being present and going. I'm present in the moment, but I'm also thinking about the best way to go to benefit me later. So, have you, like, has that strategizing been a recent sort of habit that you've created? Yeah, well, so over the last couple of months, I've been, it's just been affecting my mind different. Hmm. Playing that game has just made me think a little different. Not anything like drastic, like cult, like, oh my God, I see the <laughs> world now and I know things that I didn't know before. But it just has me like think about things different. Right. Think, think about career moves a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just what was your strategy before, just, just work, not work, to work, have work, a strategy. Work, 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 yeah. work. Right. Um, try to get in bed with the best people, the mm-hmm. best circles of people. But I don't know. I can't, I can't really pinpoint the, how exactly it's changed me, but like it has me think differently. It has me think a couple of thoughts ahead, hmm. you know, on a lot of situations. It may like, I've also 
I feel like it made me like my decisions making like slow down a little bit. Let's think about this. Let's analyze it a little more. I feel like that's more true than anything else. Mm-hmm. Might soak in the situation. Like what? What's at stake? What moves would be made? What moves you shouldn't make? Attack, defend. All those. Right, things. right. And then, like sometimes the choice not to move. Yeah, that's a choice as well. Yeah, yeah. There's well, I mean, so you have many to options. move. You have to move a piece in chess. Well, yeah, in chess, but like yeah. in like. But there's certain pieces stuff. where I'm like, I'm not like a, uh, you can set it up where so I'm, I know I'm not have to move that piece for a minute. Right. Whether it's in a good defense move or a good attacking position, you get in a good spot, you know, hold it down for a minute. Mm. And hopefully you don't move the same piece twice. Why? I just read that somewhere. <laughs> it's a token of wisdom that you just it picked was up. Like, never like, that sounds good. The same piece twice. Huh. I mean, I need to look into that. Because I think you take away another opportunity to advance another piece. That sounds very, like, zen or spiritual. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm all over the place. Yeah. I've kind of had that a similar reaction to doing um, training Aikido, actually. Yeah. Because I've never, before this year, I'd never done any martial art. And people will tell you, people like to make fun of Aikido because it's, like, um, in my experience and understanding of it, it doesn't seem like the most like effective thing to just whip out on the street yeah <laughs> but i really enjoy it and i think it's true that cliche of um martial arts like teaching you like um just like giving you mindset practices or yes. just like learning from it and actually being um a lot of it there's a lot of things i've learned from it but a lot of it is being just like being present and, present. Yeah, and practicing because you really can't be like focusing on something else if right. you're like being thrown across the floor right. or like trying not to, you know, get your neck snapped or something. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it's been fun. I've been enjoying it. Good. Um, Good. thanks. If you, I know you can't like dole out any advice to people necessarily because you're not in their shoes but if you had to give other people a token of your wisdom or what's worked for you in either being present or practicing presence what would you say or if you were to give me a piece of advice since i am definitely asking this is me being direct okay give me your advice you think i'm somebody that you should ask about how to be more present yeah First off, I'm flattered because I don't view myself that way. So I don't. Um, so thank you. I guess. I mean, that's a really hard question. For me. I don't know when I decided this. Probably the last. I feel like I've had the same qualities about being on set. Right. And I like, that's easy for me to do it at work is easy for me to do it at work. Right. But doing it all the time. As weird as it sounds, it was probably like, it was probably right after Kobe Bryant died. 
Just, I'm not even, like, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I do not know why. I felt, um, it's so weird. I might have been feeling like this a little bit before that because I've been talking to it with my therapist a bunch. But I remember after that day happened, I, like, called one of my uncles I hadn't talked to in a long time. He was like, hey, it felt bad. Which I hate doing petty calls and, like, I feel bad, let me call. Like, I do not like doing that. Yeah. Because I'm like, I want to call you out of a place of, like, organicness. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk to you. I've missed you. I don't want to call just because the narrative is swirling that I should. Right. For whatever reason, I did. And I talked to his sister and my aunt about it and went back and forth. But for some reason, that's just the day. Like, it was, like, a couple of days after that, when Kobe Bryant died in the crash, that I started telling other people. I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to live with intent more. Mm. And But I think I've been cultivating the idea for a little longer than that. Uh, in the sense that I don't... I, everybody's like, what's our purpose? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, I have a purpose. I'm looking for a purpose. I personally go, well, no one's going to know about your purpose a thousand years after you complete your purpose. Right. No one's gonna fucking know about it. Okay. Unless you do some grand shit that's like greater than the fucking civil war or whatever. This would be the large scale thing to last hundreds of years in the history books, let alone thousands. So good luck. So then I like think about that and I go like a really dark place. I don't try to like think about life that way. It's not fun. Um, and even fast forward, I had that very thought I told you about years before, probably around 2016 in San Francisco, when I was working for this company called Salesforce, which they put on, or uh, no, 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 not Salesforce. It was, uh, started with an F. I remember it. They, they put on like the production side of stuff like Comic-Con and big events for Facebook and, mm-hmm. uh, oh, it was F and tech is what it was called. F and tech. And I was in San Francisco, down by the Fort Mason buildings on Lombard Street, picking up food at this Italian place. I got, like, pizza. The guy I was working with ran in so we didn't want to pay for parking. So usually when you do runs, somebody goes with you because San Francisco parking's a bitch. So someone sits in the vehicle while someone goes in and gets the stuff. <laughs> and I was sitting out there, and I was just watching everybody hustling, bustling, going somewhere, doing, like, people jogging super intent like they're like they had to be doing it and saw like other people on the go from a one workout class to this class off for more work to here and i'm just like what are we all do all this shit we're doing no one's gonna remember the shit we're all just fucking killing ourselves and so i was like went to a dark place kind of like within like a couple of minutes like you keep going down that rabbit hole you go that's bad that's bad you can't live life like that mm. so i dug myself out so and again, I started coming back around to it after being entrenched in the film industry for seven years and not coming up for air. And I just found it was like, my purpose, I'm claiming my purpose, which I think all of it for us, we have to make it bigger than us, is just impacting people's lives. I'm not saying I have to save someone for an orphanage home. I'm not saying I have to rid crime in their neighborhood I'm not saying that I have to you know rush somebody to the hospital 
nothing even that crazy impacting people's lives, you know, but little things, just, if I can just like make someone go, I'm going to start doing it that way. Wow. That's a good way to look at things. Mm. Stuff like that. And so it's like why you try to have moments with people and be present and create these moments because like a lot of these moments are really only going to like the best ones only serve you in nostalgic purposes, but you will have later when you have less. So it's like the older you get, you're going to want to feel enriched and have all these moments that you created because you're going to have a lot less around you usually, especially like comforting in a comforting manner, like a family or any type of loved ones, friends, you know, the more you get separated from work, you lose a bunch of those relationships. Anything you can't go, the older you get, but the smaller your circle gets usually. And so I was just like, the, the best purpose that I could have is just trying to be living with intent. But my intent is to impact people's lives close to me and always try to have good moments. Like I feed off of those moments. I always try to like recreate them. Just like want it. But you can't have that all the time. It's not life. But that's like my, my like struggle. Because mm. I have these great times, these great moments, these great people and this energy. And I just want it always to be. It's like a greedy thing. Just wanting more and more and more and more. Can't have that. But those moments, I had this, this was two years ago. Of the house. My wife, our neighbors next door were having a party. I had a friend come over. We like started drinking. It was really like unassuming night. Started drinking. Went next door, hang out at the party, drinking, back to the house, drinking, went back and forth. Then at some point, the night, just the three of us in our yard, in the house, backyard, front of the driveway, exploded into enough Nerf gun war. I got all these <laughs> Nerf guns. We're all 30 plus year adults, drunk. Just the three of us running around shooting each other with Nerf guns. That sounds amazing. It was the, fun, the funnest time of my life I've ever had. No, that sounds really epic. And I, all I wanted was to like have the same. It was like the pacing of how the night came together and how like we started drinking. And stories started to unfold. It was like just one of those things. It was like that. I was so consumed in that moment that it was like addicting. Mm. And so I think if you live with intent to to impact people's lives so it might like impact your own mm. in a way mm-hmm. and it sounds like very cliche and like impact people's lives like it doesn't have to be on some grand scale you just be like yo I met this person and they were really chill in chaotic situations and I'll always remember that and try to apply that to my life or as long as somebody like would say man that that Dan guy I liked working with him he was fun well, that was my experience. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. that, like things like that. I have like some. I'm not here to win a ton of awards or go to the fucking moon or cure some disease. Like I'm not. Your purpose can't be like that for everybody. And I think more people would get more out of uh, their relationships with people if they were just more present. Because you might get rid of relationships that aren't good for you too. Doing that as well, and they're like, "Oh, that person's not really for me." Mm. Like maybe we're not a good match as buddies. Mm. You know, you may cut cut some of, trim some of the fat that's dragging you down, and you may meet new people that build you up. 
So I always try to meet new people too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you gave me a lot to think about. You didn't even ask me about everything ever all at once. That's a separate podcast. Oh. <laughs> I was waiting for that question. You were waiting for it. It's all good though. We'll save it. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do a separate one. Yeah. For that one specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be good. Um, where can people go to support you, or if you want to plug anything? Support me? Yeah. Oh, fuck. They don't have to. No, I need money. Oh, okay. I need money <laughs> for uh, a bunch of projects. We need investors. You know, I might try to get some... Um, several projects, short, like low-budget shorts that I'm develop their their scripts some are development some things we're rewriting i'm trying to get a nice group of people creative on the writing and directing and together bring together and start having um like actually like segue into the different projects and like talk about them i want to shoot some little uh like kickstarter or gofundme like interview type things to talk about the projects and like what it's about like from different aspects of like whether it's crew members or the people we cast for the roles or the creatives i don't have anything right now Mm -hmm. but it's coming yeah yeah well i'm just yeah i mean it's like you always need money Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we can all go shoot shit on our iphone and edit it but i'm just like we kind of pass that like we have stuff it's like we need you know, we need investors. Like, we got good ideas. Like, I got a buddy that's got a really good pilot right now. It's, like, really good. I, like, believe in it. Like, I read it. I read it twice. It was really good. I might read it again. Mm-hmm. But, no, it's all, uh, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, they can go look at my stupid film photography. I like your film photography. Yeah, it's all just, like, I don't even shoot anymore. It's all just old stuff. Well, yeah, it all looks, like, California. But... Are most of your listeners in Georgia? They're all over. Do you have any in Georgia? Yeah. Well, regardless, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, cool, C-O-O-L underscore is underscore A uh, underscore rule. So it reads cool is a rule with underscores in between each word. And uh, DM me up, and we can go party, because we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, party with Dan. If anybody wants to <laughs> go talk ideas, talk movies, go meet good people, you can, you can, I'll plug that. Cool hangs. Cool hangs. Because I don't, I don't have shit else right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, go, watch, go watch a good movie, mm-hmm. and then tell somebody about it. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for being here and spending your time with me. Your presence is my present. Yeah. So, I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't even know the first thing about presence, but you just got to have it. But you were here. You just got to have it. You just got to have it. (laughs) All right, cool. Thank you. Welcome back, friends. That was my good new buddy, Dan Eubanks. 
This episode was really healing and energizing for me to record, so I hope that it found you in a similar and entertaining light. It sounded like the sentiment Dan was getting at at the end there was that being yourself a little could help someone else a lot. I totally think that's true and definitely want to encourage that authenticity. So go do more of what you enjoy doing, or failing that, go be Batman. Whatever you do, go follow Dan on Instagram. He enunciated his handle pretty clearly. And if you want to hear more about his on-set stories, you can check out his side quest episode where we talk about his experience both living and appreciating the movie Everything Everywhere all at once. You can find that on all of our platforms and the accompanying article on Substack. Along with that side quest episode, you can follow Let Me Play on Instagram, Facebook, Substack, and Twitter to see all the things that we have in store. That's our wrap on this week's episode, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for playing. <laughs>